So welcome to our bonus episode. Hi everyone, this is Paris. This is a bonus episode for Paris's audio commentary for the movie Dune. Right now we're watching on HBO. And um, at this moment, we are at six minutes and 42 seconds into the movie. Um, somewhere around that time. You may hear in the background. So, this episode may never happen or see the light of day. This is basically a test. But. Since we just started off, doing this movie, it is uh, directed by um, Debbie Vignier, I believe, with um, Zendaya and uh, Timothy Chalamet, and it's about this, like, it's based off a book. Um... This movie's interesting because it's not an entire book. It's kind of less than half. And a lot happens in that book. So, I don't blame him for... It's technically Doom Part 1. It's the official title of this all. Oh, I love what these um, Space Steel people are wearing. Um, so, right now in the movie, the giant egg just came down. And, you know, it costs, like, a fucking million salaries or some shit um, for them to get there. And um, I like what the space field, I think they're a breeding spice suits. I think they're, like, spice suits. And that's why, like, their helmets are all red. How much does it cost them traveling all this way to this formality? The big deal navigators a total of 1.46 million, salaries round trip. That's not, I guess that must be a good price. Um, must have been on sale. Um, I mean, we haven't gotten to that part. I think that's mainly in the second book. They talk about, like, the economy um, of, like, the whole... How, how, how it runs the Galakar, the, this district or whatever. Ascendant to the golden lion throne of the Deja Emperor of the known universe, I stand before you as herald of the change. We're witnessed by members of the Imperial Court representatives of the spacing guild and a sister of the Bene Gesserit. She's looking fabulous. Um, we never really see her face. The, the, like, the main Bene Gesserit was that's kind of fascinating how that was a fascinating like, costume choice to do. You know, she's such an amazing actress. Let's cover her face. And, and she works with it well. I, I think... Like, she, the outfit doesn't wear her. She really does, is such a fucking freak. And so, she just, like, totally owns, you know, being, like, the, you know, mother of the Bene Jesuit. They honestly had no choice. I mean, I mean, like, if you think about it, and, like, the way that the plot and the way that this world works, like, it was inevitable that this was going to happen. You know, he really set himself up. I think it's more hubris than I think is depicted in this, um, in this portrayal. Um, but I don't mind it. Um, I, I think it's cute. Um... His mother always looks fabulous. She's, like, my favorite in this whole fucking movie. Like, I want all those outfits. So, 
I will say that this movie is like heavily like influenced. Of course, we're rooting like the protagonist is. Of course, they're trading people like they're the underdog and shit. So it's, it's like you know they really do go back to basics when it comes to like the antagonist. The Bene Gesserit looks like a fucking witch, you know, and that's how they're like stereotype. But they don't, you know, that's a derogatory term I think for them in this world. But. You know, it's just like, you know, they make it really easy. Like, the Harkonnens are evil. Look at how fucking, like, obviously evil they are. But I guess, I mean, you know, they really leaned into, I guess, the depiction of it in the book. You know, it's not really... It's detailed enough in the book, but, you know, I like how the, the room of interpretation that Divine Nuv, like, totally did. I love it. I'd like you to take me with you. We see these awesome planes, you know, right here in the beginning of the movie. But, like, I guess this is me talking about the props. Um, so, like, these giant props in the movie, they are set pieces. These planes that... Um, is it Jason Momoa? Oh, my God, no. It's not Jason Momoa. Um, is it? I don't know. Uh, the one that plays Duncan, Idaho. Um... He, um, we never see these planes. They they always use like the dragonfly planes. They don't. They just don't use the these like stealth flyer looking ones, like on Arrakis, which I find fascinating. Like I guess the engines must not be com- like compatible there because it's so dusty. So, I, I think it explains that more in the book about like how they're limited. Um, just because it's such an awful, crazy, deserty terrain. He's like the perfect character to die. Oh, sorry. Spoiler alerts. Um, yeah, I guess I... This is audio commentary, so, like, you know... Normally, if you ever listen to an audio commentary... You shouldn't listen to audio commentary first before you listen to the movie. Like, that's definitely a, a bad, bad no-no. In my advice. I, I, I used to do that. I think I did that with, like, Meet the Fuckers or something. I did, I did that with, like, some Adam Sandler movie, I think. No, I don't know. Back when audio commentaries were a thing, you know, it was, I would say, only, like, a four-year period between, like, 2003 to 2007-ish or so, audio commentaries were commonplace, like, in DVDs. Not anymore. So whatever movies, whatever those shitty movies that came out in that during that time period. The future of House Atreides. And grandfather fought bulls for sport. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's such a weird thing about this uh family, like their grandfather, like the way he, this guy became king was because his father died from a bull fighting. Desert political danger. They're just... It's an interesting, like, protagonist, you know, group of people. And this threatens the Emperor. By taking Arrakis from the Harkonnens and making it ours, he sets the stage for a war, which would weaken both houses. But if we hold firm and tap the true power of Arrakis, we could be stronger than ever. What does that mean? Mining spice, keeping the Fremen in their place? We'd be no better than Harkonnens. By making an alliance with the Fremen. That's what I sent Duncan Idaho to arrange. Here on Caladan, we ruled by air power and sea power. Oh my gosh. That's like an interesting thing he always says in the whole movie. It's the first time he says that. Everyone take a drink. That's when you take a drink. Learn what I do. What if I'm not that? Um. Not what? Yeah, this is a movie. This is... Um, see, they're wearing these coats. We never see them again because they're going to a desert. So they're going to wear, you know, 
like linens and and they're gonna switch fabrics because these are like seems like some kind of like spacey like leather Teflon like you know it's like as if Marc Jacobs worked for Patagonia and you know he was a head designer this is like an interesting collaboration that's what it kind of seems like what they were what they're wearing with their military uniforms underneath but these coats are everything you know I can't put my finger but it's definitely some kind of weather resistant fabric I'd be surprised if it was leather this definitely looks like an expensive weather resistant maybe organic blend the choice of it I think really does make it look so futuristic but it's so subtle it's only subtle because it's black you know it's just black on black. And and it's even... Some of the details are lost, I think, in some of the the lighting and the coloring of um, and the edits, which I'm not mad about because that's not the focus. The costumes aren't the focus in that depiction. And sometimes you need to know when not to be so loud to make the script stronger, to let the actors really be able to do what they need to do. He's wearing his base Lululemon outfit as he throws his knife at him. And then, um, he has this, this little shieldy bracelet thing. I'm sure, I think the, I would say that the prop department maybe, maybe made that. Crazy thing, I don't know if that was necessarily a um, a costume decision. Oh, man. I think that maybe the costume designer was in on the discussions of it as well, just to learn the mechanics of it. Including yourself into those kind of meetings are also very helpful. You know, you don't want to be caught out of place, you know. Really know like what lighting's gonna be like, you know. What's mood to do with it? You fight when the necessity arises, no matter the mood. Now fight. Come on. I forget. It's interesting in the book. I think describes how the shield necessarily works, but. Uh, you get the idea. Look at my lord. You'd have joined me in death. I see you found the moon. Won't be that bad. You don't get it, do you? You don't really understand the grave nature of what's happening to us. For 80 years, Arrakis belonged to House Harkonnen. 80 years of owning the spice fields. Can you imagine the wealth? The, the thing is that they don't necessarily talk about what their fear is. They, they really just go on and on about, like, like, like what of the past. <coughs> you know, they're not, they describe the situation, which is nice for the plot, but it, it shows you also why he's a little confused later on. In hindsight, I feel. Like, you know, we're not, they're not saying what they are preparing for. They're also not letting him on all the secrets of it. You know, this is the future Duke and, you know, everyone has a target. He could become, uh, you know, the Duke during this process. And that's kind of what's in plan. But, you know, they, how are they preparing him? They're not, I feel like they're not doing that fast enough and I feel like in the book they kind of do it maybe a little bit faster but that's also a big blind sight um, but that's a flaw in their character it doesn't I don't think it's a flaw in the plot it works for the plot but I'm just like ugh, I hate it when like people do that to you because that's a real thing it's a family thing it's a family thing Oh, John Batista. I mean, he always... It's funny because, like, 
he always plays characters that are not too far from like his wrestling characters. Like, I can totally remember. Like, I was like, wow. I forgot that's what you do. You're so used to yelling in a giant stadium, you know, in a ring <laughs> before you throw a chair at someone or something, you know. He knows how to be really angry and yell, and it's good to see John Padisa do what he's good at. You know, like it's it's like seeing like Barbara Streisand sing. Oh, here's how we see the space travel. The spacing guild. Interesting depiction. Wow, pretty cute. Um, just goes through the tube. So here we get to see like the Bene Gesuit, uh, a little bit of seeing how some of their costumes have like hierarchy. Um, you know, they're coming here to see the sweet little shit of House Atreides, uh, Bene Gesuit sister, who uh, went against the rules and had a son. I feel like in the book it um, really depicts how she um, that truly depicts the possibility of just how she she had a lot to lose she just lost uh, almost like this moment like the choice she did to put herself in this situation is just like the risk she took. You know, like in her attempt of like achieving greatness, she went against what she was told and had a son instead of a daughter. And, you know, this changes things. And she, you know, he just doesn't have any... He kind of doesn't have any siblings well I mean she kind of does he does but it's not told till later I mean well they, they talk about it in this movie too about he finds out that he gets all high on spice so he's able to tell that his mom is pregnant Um, the tattoo in his forehead is like he took a big oath of becoming like kind of this secret society of almost like psychic healers and to some degree and you know this is also kind of I think done with a a human enhancer or somehow like that's just there's just another facet of this futuristic world and um him um going against He's like kind of assigned like within his role as like almost to help um, the nobility, so or something. It's some kind of degree that way. It's really an important role. So like him being the traitor for the Harkonnens because he really thought he could save him and him his wife um, from the Harkonnens because that's what we've learned of why he backstabbed the Atreides house of Atreides. So, defiance in the eyes, like his father. Leave us. That tattoo just means like absolute like loyalty to his post, and that's what that tattoo represents is a part of that. So he like betrays a tattoo that he did. They, and it's really disrespectful. It's a it's like the worst you could do. In that society, that he took an oath to. Put your right hand in the box. Oh yes, put your hand. Put your hand in the box. Oh, look at her. Her lace. It just makes her words more powerful. Jamba. Love it. I want a Jamba. Oh. Instant death. Yes. Give me five. The test is simple. 
Remove your hand from the box. And you die. That's in the box. I wonder how much, like... You know, collection of. Um, I wonder how much like Gam Jabbar she goes through a year. You know, she must do this test like a long time. You know what I mean? Like, how many girls are in this program? How much you know they're you know initiating to becoming the Bedouin Jesuit? You know what I mean? Like, people fucking fail. You know. Exactly. Like, do any girls gnaw their hands off <laughs> before she, like, dumb to bars them? You know? You know, they're keeping these, uh, gum to bar business, you know, also, well, profitable. It just shows you how, like, this kind of space economy. Um, you know, have very interesting products once, you know, you get, uh, once you discover your intergalactical space travel, you know, um, it, it disrupts, it disrupts life and the economy in all kinds of ways. And this is where it ends up, you know. Also, what company makes those boxes? Like, what else do they make, you know? Can you make one that, like, fits your head? I'm just curious. I just love this part of the song. It's my favorite song. I think he just put himself like in the mind over matter kind of situation. Yeah, see, it was all in his head. <laughs> like sifting sand through a screen. We sift people. If you had been unable to control your impulses like an animal, we could not let you live. Oh, look at that beautiful bracelet. It looks like it might be like engraved. Maybe with cutouts. Um, maybe nickel or something. It could be maybe more of an expensive one. I don't know their, their jewelry budget, but or it could be something old. I mean, isn't this Warner Brothers? So, like, you know, they, they have a huge costume warehouse that they could definitely dig through to find some stuff. So I hope they're using every resources available, you know. The, the, I forget the costume designer for this, but, you know. It's good when you have that kind of team. You have Warner Brothers behind you. Have you dreamt of them before? Many times. Many times. Do you often dream things that happen just as you dream them? Mm, don't we all? Not exactly. <laughs> Goodbye, young people. Sometimes it takes years for them to happen. I hope you live. I honestly feel like I'm actually running out. Which, I don't know, makes me feel happy. Anyway, yeah. Um, uh, oh, look at this. I love also these lamps that follow them. It definitely looks... You can, it's very religious, like, mainly because they look like nuns. But the long trains of it all, you know, just are so medieval. And it, that's what it kind of... The silhouette definitely looks like, you know. This, these tall, taller silhouette of like you know pointed hats, you know, like pointing the heavens of a higher belief, you know, and just like the shape of it all, the the mod, the overly modesty of it. You know, 
again with the editing like it's already really dark so you really just see this towering in the triangle silhouette um that they all present um even like i feel like there are details to it that are just like you know it folds and pleats um even in the fabric choices of it all it, it's really almost like un it's really fancy in a way i think in the fabric choice um because it's almost really voluministic and you know almost cumbersome you have to know how to move in this there's a proper way to move in this kind of garment um I don't find it to be that easy, but it is gorgeous. And the editing of it, of the lighting and coloration again in the movie, um, you know, is saturated a little, so you lose, it's black on black, so details are slightly lost, but I think you get the idea though, you know, I, I don't think it's a bad choice, I think. I think that's something the costume designer was aware of, but you know, I think that they did that. You can't blame them for overachieving. You know, the quality is definitely noticeable. The details may be lost, but like, like you know, that there are that they are there. That's what's that's what I love about them. Like I'm sure up close they look just good, and you see that because there's actually a lot of good close-up shots, so there's a reason behind that on, like, why they would, you know, be more detail-oriented because of these close-up shots that I'm sure that they were in conversations with, you know. I, I think, you know, when you're working in this type of caliber with this kind of budget and these type of artists, you know, like, he, he's known for making beautiful movies, so I, I'm not surprised at all I think that's why I was excited to watch this movie and why I continue to watch it over and over because I see more and more details in it. So we're no longer going to see the... This is where we see a huge costume shift in the movie. We no longer see the Arrakis um, outfits. We're now just seeing... Um, I'm sorry, we're going to see only Arrakis. We're going to... We're done with the House of Atreides in Caledon. So no more Caledon from the now on in the rest of the movie. Bye. I think it was filmed like in Norway. So like that's kind of what their planet's climate is like, I guess. I think it's very, um, very watery, rocky, very, I guess, very Nordic oceans and like the very Baltic Sea-ish um, world. Um, is my interpretation of how it's described in the book. Um and portrayed in a movie. Yeah, like the, this beach. It looks very Icelandic. It looks very, I don't know, Norway maybe. Like, where do you find these rock formations? Like, well, I don't. You don't see that that often. these spaceships like you see how fucking huge everything is oh so beautiful they're just like flying out of this little tube it's interesting because like in the book they're they're seen they're described more like taxi service but i mean they are like nations of planets and leaders of you know worlds um so they it's definitely a way they use a taxi is how this family uses a taxi and it's how royalty uses, you know, such things. I don't know. I hope the gravity, the gravity of the situation is just the fact that, that the planet has seen these leaders or new leaders in a way for the first time. And they respect them in their own manner. And being peaceful, but they're just used to being under controlled. I mean, like, hmm. It's it's fascinating. Um, what, how this world was is influenced because even the Ben Jesuit has been here. Like you know, the Ben Jesuit, like you know, they're. 
there's been there's been the occupation of outsiders for hundreds and hundreds of years. So this isn't the first time they've seen outer worlders, you know, arrive to their planet. The Bene Gesserit describes what was here was actually more of a, a subject. It was more like a, a cusp of the religion of it. Um, it's, a, it's more of like a cult spin-off. You know, it's like they're, they're almost like they're Catholic and there's another Christian um, sect. But that's like how they think of like the, the Messiah of him and all. It's not a mistake. She's dressed the way she's dressed. She's dressed the way that, you know, the Liza Magib is, you know, dressed like. Oh, I just left this impractical outfit. It works perfectly because it's just so impractical. It makes her look ethereal. You know what I mean? Like, it works and doesn't work in this environment so well. And it just looks so beautiful the way it just tangles up and blows in the wind. Uh, and also I just love how it's being taken care of by her like handmaiden and I love how every time we see her she has more and kind of more and more handmaidens around her sometimes um, I mean that's like up until here I think um, you get how I guess that works with her character you know? she's not so she knows, her, she knows how to use her tools around her and like when to flex and you know when to be subtle about it Shit. These people have waited for centuries for the Lizard Gabe. You can't. They see you, they see the signs. Stupid bitch. You see what they've been told to see. <laughs> Paul, you need to understand that you're in a dangerous situation. And every handout and emergency button is being pulled behind, like, is being triggered to save your fucking life, you little twat. So, like, listen to your mother and try not to be saying little smart shit like that because that's going to help you out, you little baby fuck. Like, god damn it. Anyway, um, I, I, I mean, he, I think he eventually gets it, but there's no reason to be that sassy to your mother. That's your mom. Ugh. What a, it shows you his naivete, you know, which I guess is okay in his character. You know, it, it's not everyone can be super likable at first. He eventually fucking gets it because they have a little, it, it turns into a, a, a boy mama movie later on. Okay. Um, this is a city, apparently. I'm not gonna lie. Um, like Rakia sounds like shite. Like just like, oh, I would not want to live there. Like, it describes what it's like, how hot it gets in the middle of the day. 
how dangerous it is. How dry. Um, on top of it, there's like these killer worms, and like, like mm, cool. There's indigenous people that figured out how to live here and do like it here. That's adorable. Let's let them be. <laughs> but. I mean, I guess there is like. They found an aggressive way to get the spice to us, and it's it's just super difficult. And it's interesting how, like, they have all this infrastructural money I thought that they apparently had, and they just never seem to streamline it, you know? Or they just definitely left in the big disarray, like, that they did exist, and then maybe they just left in old technology. Either way, they were just, they were just up to be fucked, you know? This is another way the... Harkonnens, you know, are playing dirty and smart. What is your name? Shadow Pig Snow. The rest of you may go. Thank you. Shadow. One thing that's interesting about this um, scene in the book versus in the movie, um, I mean, they don't talk about the costumes, but, like, I'm just going to talk about the plot. This is an audio commentary anyway. Um... They, I like the way it's portrayed because in the book, you her thoughts are being described as how she is very um, cautious about um, this interaction. Um, she thinks of multiple options that she can say, and she thinks about what those... Um, it's her way of mathematically predicting the future. There's different options that go through her head based on what she knows. So she digs, she digs fast and digs quickly, and selects the best possible outcome. And it's, uh, I like that how it's portrayed. Right here, she's thinking. So she decides to say "make her" because. It was the most correct answer that um, she knew that this person would understand. Um, that's all. This is a really beautiful song. You don't hear it again. It's only played in like this part, and I think there's another iteration. Um, Neo, eo, bano, geno, wizard, ea, ua, sua, asha, well, neo, abana, jazzo, eia, go, ea, sea, neo, I love it. It's like, ugh. Like, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> Tote. Uh, <laughs> course, girl. Um, but you, you just—that's what's fascinating about like the interaction with like the 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 woman and the mother, and like why she's doing that sign language. You know, she's. That's, I think it was a good interpretation of how she's like thinking out loud, and she has multiple thoughts. Because, like, her sign language kind of doesn't match with her words. Like, you know, she's really being double-sided and two-faced, but it just shows how she has deeper thoughts. And she is cautious about everything, as she should be, especially on this planet. So a lot is just happening um, in the storytelling of this movie, and I think that's what makes it really nice, is that, like... Time is um, used fascinatingly in portraying this movie on what they focus on and what they don't focus on and what happens quickly and what doesn't happen quickly. And um, I think that, I don't know, just the size of way of this, this is filmed, you know, with just these wide-angle shots and these beautiful, you know, just, just the, what's the word, the cinematography of it all and, like, placement and framing um, it's just done so well for a large screen and um, 
don't know. It, it works. It's just done so well. See, he's wearing... Now he's wearing just... He's just lounging around in some linens. You know. It almost looks like South Asian, um, like, farmer sh- shirts. Even the um, pants. It could be some, like, Taiwanese um, fisherman pants. Um... Or, you know, um, there's just like these Japanese worker pants. Um, they're made out of like a bamboo cotton. You know, everything's nice and breathable that he's continues to wear in his little, I don't know, I wouldn't say at leisure, but maybe resort lounge. I mean, it's very, it looks expensive. You know, it looks tailor-made actually. I mean, it, it's easily shrinkable, so it has to... It, it, may, it could be pre-shrunk, you know, linen. Uh, maybe it's a bamboo. Uh, I don't know what kind of... It could be a new plant altogether. Is this the future? You know, maybe it's... Maybe the designer wanted it to look, you know, not placeable. I, I would try to go in that direction if I were to do some type of futuristic movie. You know, like, like what do they have in this world? <laughs> Jesus, he, like, literally almost died. It's a hunter-seeker. The operator must be nearby. <laughs> that woman was scared for her life. Oh my god, they found a spy. Oh, look at that. Yes, daddy. Oh. Oh, I love this um, ballerina wearing this costume, um, displaying um, a. a, It's described as a pet, but it basically looks like a a spider with human hands and maybe a human face. Um, You know, goes through. It could be this thing that describes it later on in the book. I think they they talk about it when they actually. um, I think it's described in the the Harkonnens. side of the book near the end um they think i think they bring it i think there's i don't know something happens later on and there's this thing that's that's kind of a pet but it's like a super hybrid thing so it's super hybrid uh, of like genetic alterations so that's pretty cool or pretty interesting but they talk about like how you know these things look pretty ugly like the way they describe it is like Um, how they just look really weird or what they decided to merge them with are just completely disgusting. Um, But anyway, it's done by this ballerina known for doing a piece called Spider. Um, I really wish I could see what that looks like. Um, Seriously, like... Duke's yeah. Duke's 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 they're kind of like the bass and baritones, you know. You know, maybe a little soprano-y because based on the Ben of Jesuit. But like, um, you know. And the, and the composer goes into the trumpets then, you know. It's not so much done in a lot of like the music representing for the House of Trades, you know. You only hear those those brass, you know, for the Harkonnens, you know. I secured a copy of the Hawkins account. You know, 
The the Israelis are very cute. You know, they had a freaking bagpipe <laughs> part of their song. You know, and like they're getting like through their mind through these like you know kind of um, chants. Um, I don't even like maybe almost monkish chants. Um, they're like kind of almost like Taoist monk chants. You know, it's not very like because. The Harkonnens use also an ancient chant, you know, later on you hear them with their, um, there's just this bloodletting ceremony, and that's when they have, like, that amazing, like, Himalayan throat-singing DJ, you know, it's just, um, pretty cool, that's gonna happen later, so, like, there's just this really obvious way that the way that this is, this movie is just depicted. Hmm. So everyone has a hard on for Duncan Idaho. Um, in this world, like him and um, like the weapons trainer, um. Oh, oh my god, I forgot his name. We got everyone just loves Duncan Idaho. Um, he's just he's amazing at his job. He's like the total fucking hero. Um, uh. so close to dying. Oh, he's at Desert Power. Time to take another drink. Um, yep, take a drink. That's the rules. It's Chris Oh, we get to see um, a local, a full-blown um, song from the Sikhs. Hmm. Hmm. Still guard. What a good name. Sir, I respect the personal dignity of any man that respects mine. Hmm. Here we see him with blue eyes. It's interesting. Um. Kind of cottony looking material must be maybe root based based on the plants that they were describing in the book. We accepted the spirit which was given. And like he is wearing a still suit, which is like interestingly made. There's different types of them, but there's a preferred one. Have much to offer one another. You are out world as you come here for this spice, you take it giving nothing in return. Oh, he's upset. That's true. I know you've suffered at the hands of the Harkonnen. Name what you want. Name what you it's want. It's in my power to grant, I'll give it, and that's for nothing. Hmm? I ask for these. Do not seek our sieges. Do not trespass in our lands. The blizzard was ours long before you came. So come and take your spice. But when you have it, go back to the side of the shield wall and leave the blizzard to the Fremen. You will address the Duke as my lord or sire. Gurney, just. Uh, yo, so Gurney. The Emperor has given me Gurney as uh, um, the guy. I cannot promise not Look to at the quilting. Hmm. All right. Hmm. Cute. I'll take that. That's very honorable. I must go. That's all I have to say to you. 
Won't you stay? Why? We would honor you. Uh. <laughs> of course he does. He says he recognized you. Akia Bana Jesuit Aria Ahasoaha. I love it. Such a good song. The moon's here have a magnetic field, so oh. simple compass needle. Very, uh, very important plot, like very it's props. It's a, it's a, not a costume, but it's a prop, and it's, it's really important. Sand compactors and all kinds of ingenious things. What the hell is a sand compactor? That's a sand compactor. That's a sand compactor. My God, man, you've gone native. You admire them. I do. They're fierce, but loyal. It's like they live here. Uh, (laughs) The way he talks about it is kind of interesting. Like, um, like I'm like I heard these descriptions before, you know, and it's just an interesting choice of words that um, Gurney says is like you got you've gone native. You know, it. I don't want to say like I really. In the book, it doesn't mention like. I guess, like, skin color to that degree. It describes everyone as kind of olive color, almost like how, like, everyone is, like, Northern African or, like, Mediterranean in that spectrum. So, I don't know. I guess those are Europeans, but I just feel like they're... It's so far into the future, too. So, like, is there really a white dominance in the future as well? Like, it, it... really doesn't seem like our survival as humans is going to be in that direction. We are already, like, we're just becoming more and more diverse, and I think that's just, like, naturally how, for the survival of our people, you know, gene diversity is our biggest advantage, and I think, like, that's where it's going to be, and that's what this world is based off of, and it kind of alludes to that. So... Um, it's fascinating how Gurney says uh, native or something like that. Like, I mean, they are, they have occupied this completely. So I can see like, that's always part of their history. You know, that they have learned about in the past, you know, you know, that is something that's still visible. It's not disappeared in it. She wears like this linen, um, this, this, uh, this, uh, biologist or ecologist, uh, has this little linen. Most impressive. It's like almost like a, like a beach wrap. Where are you from? I am accepted in both Stitch and Village. Now, come and see the spice sounds on which you're. Uh, she says that she exists in both, but honestly, what she doesn't say or even address to is where her loyalty is. Um, I mean, this helps and benefits, um, and I think he wasn't told that, like, like, you know, but I guess that's a good white lie not to have, but, you know, a big blind spot was, you know, the spies, the big, another blind spot was also they had about the doctor, you know, uh, they just didn't look at certain people that they trusted that they, they they really just kind of uh they didn't re-examine everyone around them and they, they the doctor talks about this where like it was a huge risk for him because he knew who the powers that they have <laughs> that you know and the the powers that are around them on like what could possibly like catch him as being a spy um so that's an interesting uh I always, I always found that fascinating with like his betrayal. 
you know, it wasn't always guaranteed it was going to work out. But that was the risk he was taking to try and protect him and his wife. Which, of course, like, didn't do anything for him. He, he was just a tool. He was just a complete puppet. So, uh, karma, or I don't know, maybe, or, you know, it's what you get. So, which... I think it's a good introduction into the world, but also just shows you how, like, the Harkonnens just have no loyalty. They're always just going to find the cheapest option out with cruelty, and that's their answer to things. And Oh, my God, that's what makes them evil. <laughs> it's just, I don't know, like, everyone does bad things. Oh, this is where, um... So they're all, like, in still suits. That's a big costume change in this. These worms are the, you know, the dominant species on this planet. And then they um, are huge and they're predatorial. And they're going to protect themselves violently if necessary. Um, <laughs> we also have really no good defense system around them, even though we've been here for years and years. There's like almost like zero studies. But honestly... The downfall of them is the fact that they're so well protected in a way because they're gods on this planet. So even the psychologist isn't like on their, on their side of, um, you know, development. You know, there's, the, the ecologists are too loyal to um, in preservation. You know, they haven't like it's what it sounds like is that like a lot of the science like there's no dissection of this you know there's not a lot of old there's hasn't been been like an old school approach it went very green i guess but with that kind of means that the i i think they're able to destroy a whole city in a matter of minutes so i think like they would have the ability to create devices that you know are not like shield proof or a way to like distract them or you know oh no another possibility on like what could where what else can be used when it comes to this shit Please respond, please respond. There's a worm coming. How many men on that crawl? Crew of 21. Our ship can take six each. It's still three short. We'll find a way. We see the Duke himself flying his aircraft to save these people on this ship. He's going to show stretches dukiness loyalty stop that machine we're going to save you before this giant worm comes and we're going to throw out some yeah the shield generators how much could that be you know half a million solaris See, there's three ships so he said that their ships can carry six each and he says hey that's only extra like we're going to be short by three so they're going to get rid of the you know half a million dollar solari um uh shield generators out so they can fit seven onto each of the ship so i, I love how they um stay true to the maths in this you know because this is a smart intergalactic space movie and we're gonna have you know dialogue with maths equations oh. so the the ethereal oh. 
Yeah, so like, um, this, this, the music means, you know, he's um, getting high off the spice right now. He's totally having, he's gone down the giant spice hole. Um, it's blowing in his face. Damn the spice. Yeah, his son's getting, um, he is getting his really, uh, breathing it in, huffing away, huffing the spice. He's not wearing his mask. He's going to start tweaking out soon. Oh, see? See, he gets hit with that giant dust. Yep, he puts on his mask. Oh, wait, he's... he's He sniffed something he liked. He's giving another good little sniff there. Mm-hmm. It just bumps or just flying into his nose. I, I didn't take any drugs. It just blew in my face. You know, the dialogue and the music is really just, again, pushing the plot again. Kida Hazarak awakes. If that's not, like, <laughs> a huge thing in, like, if you know the book, it's a little on the nose. Um... But I, I mean, I mean, I guess for people who don't even read the book, you know, it's still, I don't know, just as creepy. <laughs> Your son's tweaking out there. Oh my God, Gurney is the one who has to save him from the worm. I do like it when, like, um, like just the music, it's, like, really, like, they really, like, slowed the tempo down, um, you know, on, like, a horn or something, like, really kind of stretched out some of these noises. It's a huge, like, sound manipulation score, and I'm here for it, just to make it sound so alien, you know? Like, I, I, you know, there's, I'm I'm sure there's so much more done to it than just that, and, you know, turning up the bass and the just the sound adjustments that was done from original sounds that are familiar but so unfamiliar um, I, I love that about just the way that this music is just played on this oh and she does her little prayer amen yes queen um, so yeah, the worm eats that giant little thing, and we don't even see the full size of it. Um, it has a really good digestive tract, you know. I, I mean, iron is a really important mineral. You cannot take such risks. You have responsibilities. I'm sorry, sir. We'll never Go. So I think the spice comes from their larvae or something, like their babies or um, kind of like their shit or like placenta or something. How, how the like spice is created is very fascinating and how it gets spread across the globe or in the, the, in the desert area is just like kind of part of the ecology of the worms, which is why they don't dissect them or something because it's all part of it. Um... But also, I know there might be like a super juice of like spice that almost come from the larvae directly, and somehow I believe, and that's like something that like um, the Beno Jesuits kind of do, or something that some of the um, other Beno Jesuit sects like that exist in the sects of um, Arrakis and you know those underground tunnel cities. They also have like their own kind of larvae um, juice. Um. Spice is a psychoactive chemical. You seem to be sensitive. So, um, it, it, they have their own like kind fun. of situation. Um, it, it goes on about in the, in the book. It's kind of fascinating. <laughs> You're high, boy. Reaction. Yeah, we know that. I had a vision. 
What did you see? He knows you're pregnant. That's what he saw. Okay, cool. All right, well, right now, this is, um, we've been watching a little bit of this movie, too, um, from, um, for over an hour now. And uh, I know this movie is awfully long, but, you know, I think that's a good way to kind of segment it. Um, I may finish this movie, but we're going to end this part of the movie, um, which is basically part one of Dune, um, (laughs) before the whole thing. Kizak Haderach again, they say. But I appreciate you all for um, enjoying this bonus track from If Costumes Could Talk. Again, my name is Paris. Um, The song you're listening to right now is Ice Cream With You um, by Music Freak. And... Um, thank, uh, um, thank you. If you could, um, if you enjoyed it or made this far, please leave a five star review. Um, and um, thanks again. I'm waving goodbye. Bye.